Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. The case of Adnan Syed, made famous by the serial podcast that has a bazillion downloads is now the subject of a brand new book. It's titled Adnan's Story, The Search for Truth and Justice After Serial. It's written by a close and longstanding friend of Adnan Syed, Rabia Chaudhry, who joins me now. Rabia, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a hard conversation to have with you because I'm, I'm not sure what I should expect of my own audience in terms of their familiarity with the subject. So I want to make sure that we go through some of the basics. I'm totally into it. I listened to the podcast. I've read your book. I was engrossed in your book. I had something very funny happen to me, which is that two nights ago, I was in a bookstore in Florida, uh, one of the few remaining Barnes and Nobles, And I was walking through the nonfiction true crime section looking for a particular book, not yours, because I already had a copy. And lo and behold, 
in a display case, they had a brand new book by Asia McLean. I didn't know that she'd written a book as well. So, Oh, yeah. That's been out for a couple of months, actually. Had no idea. So the subject is very much in play. But I have a preliminary total non sequitur question for you, okay? Okay, okay. Your, your bio, as presented to me from St. Martin's Press, says, Rabia Chaudhry is an attorney, president of the Safe Nation Collaborative, and National Security Fellow at the New America Foundation. I have the highest regard for Peter Bergen. Is he not yep. also associated with the New America Foundation? Peter is my boss. Yep, I work with Peter. Wow, what a one degree of separation then. He's fantastic, yep. yep. So on a day-to-day basis, when you're not fighting for the name of your good friend Adnan Syed, what is it that you do for a living? Well, actually, so that bio is a little bit dated, which is interesting. Um, my, I've been a fellow with the New America Foundation for about three, three and a half years now. But my project with them ended last summer, and I told Peter, I said, I need some time off to work on this case. This March, I began a fellowship at the U.S. Institute of Peace, which involves international research on basically religion and terrorism. Uh, and I'm doing that research in Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So, um, but I am still, I still do work with Peter. We meet every so often. We were at a White House meeting last week. Um, but, you know, much of our, um, my work in, in the policy field that I've been doing and policy and research field that I've been doing for the last five years involves the field of CVE, which is countering violent extremism. It's understanding how people get involved in um, extremist ideologies, how they're recruited, what resonates with them, how do you stop it, things of that sort. You've known Adnan Syed for a long time. How so? Uh, we, I met him when he befriended my brother. They became friends when they were about 13 years old, um, and they met at a local mosque playing basketball. Uh, and then he would just come over to the house. His parents lived in the same subdivision as my parents back then and today as well. And uh, I know his parents as well. Adnan Syed today is behind bars, having been convicted for the murder of his former girlfriend, Heyman Lee. You are uh, his chief proponent. I mean, but for you, there'd be no serial podcast in the book Adnan Story. You reproduce the email that you first sent to Sarah Koenig to try and entice her to take an interest in this story. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I have been a public advocate for him for a while now. How come? I mean, what was it from the get-go that caused you to say he couldn't have done it? Well, you know, number one, I've kn- I know him. You know, I've known him since he's 13 years old. The community knows him. He's just the most non-confrontational, like just the sweetest guy, the mildest-mannered person ever. Um, beyond that, he's maintained his innocence from the beginning. He was bewildered by this entire thing, uh, as were the rest of us. Um, and then in the trial, we realized that there was nothing, there was no physical evidence. The evidence they gathered, like the hairs they found on her body and things of that sort, the the soil samples, they took nothing matched him. Uh, It all came down to this one witness and that witness and these cell phone records that they used to corroborate that witness's statement. But it ended up, it was the other way around. The, the, The witness, you know, matched his testimony to the cell phone records. And as a witness whose statements changed, he was very unreliable. Uh, and many of us have thought that maybe he was responsible for Hayes' death and he was pinning it on a Adnan or something. But, you know, we I just believed that he was innocent and the case didn't make any sense. Um, and there was just no evidence to prove, uh, to convince me otherwise. You acknowledge in the book there's nothing that Rabia Chaudhry can point to that says, see, here it is. This is the proof that he did not do it. Uh, I don't know. I personally think that her, the lividity evidence, the evidence of her, uh, the autopsy evidence is very good proof that 
the way she had to have died and been buried and, and, and what happened to her after she left school, that Anand couldn't have done it. Um, she had to have been killed somewhere, laid out flat for 8 to 12 hours, and gone back and buried later. Like, what? how was he managing all of this while he's going to track practice and then he's at the mosque a couple hours later? Like, how, how does that fit in with anything that's ever been offered before by the state or Jay? Um, and so I think the medical evidence completely contradicts what the state narrative is, unless they completely reframe it and said, okay, no, Adnan killed her in some private place and he laid her out. I mean, like, you know, the whole body in the trunk, it never happened. Okay, be fair, and for from your perspective, this will be the equivalent of playing devil's advocate, but give my audience the 60-second summary of the state case against your good friend. The 60-second summary is that the state says that Adnan, that uh, Heyman Lee broke up with Adnan, he was heartbroken, and he decided he was going to kill her so that he somehow followed her out of school one day and uh, killed her, went back to track practice half an hour later, um, left her body in the trunk of her car, and then a few hours later buried her with um, with the help of a, a man named Jay Wilds, who then testified against him. And the, the state case further would say that his motivation in killing her was there was always tension in the relationship brought about by their different points of origin, the fact that he was Muslim, that he should not have been dating, that there was a homecoming dance where he was embarrassed by the appearance of one of his parents because they knew that he was dating this woman, uh, not only dating her, but that she was Korean, um, that they almost wanted to cast this. And perhaps, Robbie, you're going to tell me they did cast this as an honor killing of sorts. Oh, they did. They absolutely did. They, the, the, his religion and ethnicity were very much part of the state's case and motive. It came up time and time again from the bail hearing to the first trial to the second trial to the documents we found in the prosecution files. Um, so that they very much felt that he was motivated by religion. It was a very odd argument for those of us who were witnessing this because we thought if you are a religious Muslim, you're not smoking pot, drinking, and dating. <laughs> like, you can't have it both ways. Um, on top of which, you're making the presumption that if you are a religious Muslim, for some reason, you can, like, kill somebody. I, I Like, you know, it was so preposterous, and it is still reprehensible. And the thing, the interesting thing now is that the state now is dialing back. And in the last couple of years, their statements have been like, no, 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 it was never about his religion and ethnicity. It was just a routine domestic uh, violence crime. Well, why did you bring it up, like, dozens and dozens of times? Then? Okay, but, so, but I, guess my, I guess my point is that from I'm still trying because I'll, I'll give you ample opportunity to, to pick it apart, but I want the audience to know that from the state, perspective, they viewed uh, a motive as being relationship gone bad, uh, a domestic relationship that had gone bad, and a religious influence that would perhaps give him the impetus for wanting to do something about that. The, 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 the witness, right, okay, the, the witness is, is one that you can easily pick apart, but then again, what kind of a witness are you going to find if it's someone who was involved in the disposal of, of a murder victim? You're not going to be able to get a choir boy for that. He was a drug dealer known to Adnan because Adnan presumably bought his pot from him, correct? Yeah, I mean, look, he was the kind of drug dealer, if you want to call Jay Wiles a drug dealer, who uh, had to run around looking for, like, dime bags of weed. You're not a drug dealer. He was just a kid who got stuck in something. He was threatened by the prosecutor. He said, they said, we're either going to charge you with a murder or not with a murder. There's a reason Jay's stories keep changing. It's because he didn't know what happened. He was fed the information. His stories kept changing to match. The, as the police kept investigating, they found new information. Suddenly, Jay's stories changed. Now, in his most recent interview, just last year, he suddenly says, now, 
I don't know if she was killed at Best Buy. I don't know what happened at Best Buy. I was told she was killed at Best Buy. I was never at the burial. I didn't see the body. Nothing happened at 7 p.m. She was buried at midnight. I mean, you, there's, you know, so it's one thing to say you have a witness who might be slightly like whose character or, or, or maybe they have a background that's questionable, but you still have to have a witness whose statements are like, consistent like great 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 i mean great inconsistencies in jay's statements there's no doubt about that i i'm simply making the point that if i kill someone and i need to dispose of a body i'm not going to be able to go to my straight arrow friends i'm going to have to go to somebody who walks that side of the aisle to get me to participate therefore the fact that that jay's got issues to me as an attorney is not in and of itself surprising um, I think that is a really crazy argument to make, and I'll tell you why. Because Jay and Adnan barely knew each other. They literally just he oh he would Jay was uh, uh, dating one of Adnan's close friends, Stephanie, and uh, Adnan was kind of forced to hang out with him, and and it was kind of a, a, a marriage of convenience because he got him pot, and that was it. But they were not friends. He's the last person Adnan would go. Well, okay, to but the the, the day the day the day of the murder, the thirteenth, whose car is Jay driving? No, but Jay borrowed everybody's car. And that's the thing. Jay would go use his car and get weed. I mean, like, this was, like, not unknown. And Adnan also lent his car to a lot of people. I mean, if you, li- if you read some of the trial transcript, uh, the-, the attorney says, how many people's cars did you borrow? Jay borrowed everybody's car. And so Adnan was the kind of guy who was like, yeah, you can use it while I'm at school. And, you know, what happened initially was that the police did not realize that Adnan didn't have his car. They actually thought he had his car and phone, and they thought he followed Hay out of school with it. It wasn't until they started, like, talking to the people that were on the call list and was Jay Wiles with their first call that morning, and they were like, oh, crap, Jay had the car. So there's no way they could get around not involving him. But the connection to the car is through Adnan, right? It's not as if Jay had a relationship with, with Heyman Lee. Well, no, Jay knew Hay, but I don't understand, like, why, why would that matter? If Jay didn't have the car and Adnan had the car, the state's theory of the case would be that Adnan had the car, so he followed her out of school. They just somehow had to figure out how Adnan got to Hay, and they didn't care what kind of story they came up with. All right, and how so, about how about these words? I'm going to kill. Yeah. What caught their eye was the words written in Adnan's handwriting across the top of his exchange with Asia. Right. That was done in like October or November. It was like four months or five four months before Hay was killed. It was like a, I mean, like I. It's a completely out of context. That note is like four months old. It has nothing to do, unless you're going to make the argument that he was planning something like this four months in advance, after which, like, they actually were back together. The homecoming dance happened after this. I mean, it was just like a kid bullshitting. I mean, and so that's not evidence. The evidence would be this. The evidence would be we can say that Adnan, somebody saw Adnan leaving with Hay. We can say that there was physical evidence linking Adnan to the crime. We can, like, there has to be evidence beyond like an old note from, like, you know, if you wanted something, God forbid, happen to my husband tomorrow, I'm positive you will find text messages from me to him saying I'm going to kill you because you forgot to do X, Y, Z. I mean, that's, this is, that's a re- really long stretch. It's not evidence of a murder. I, I fear I'm losing my audience in the weeds because you and I are conversing about the case. You far yeah. more so, exponentially more so than I am, but I... Um, I'm so intrigued with so many of the details. So let me let me drill down on one of them that I find troublesome with regard to your friend. Okay. This is the book club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. 
Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Um, I'm so intrigued with so many of the details. So let me let me drill down on one of them that I find troublesome with regard to your friend. Okay, Asia McLean. Asia McLean is the alibi witness. And yet Asia McLean is is not someone that Adnan first references. It 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 commonsensically seems to me, Rabia. That if my girlfriend, my on and off girlfriend goes missing, first of all, the first thing I think I would do is I'd be calling her. I'm troubled by the fact, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that he never calls her from the time that she goes missing and then we know is, is, is murdered. But why would he not make the call unless he knew that she could not be in a position to answer that call because she was dead? Well, how would you feel about the fact that her current boyfriend, who she had spent the evening with before and who she was supposed to see that night, never called her? I mean, what you have to understand is what was happening at the high school. The, the 
the parent, Hayes family and police are calling a bunch of students saying, a bunch of kids saying, do you know where she is? And everybody's like, no, we don't know where she is. The next five days, there's no school. Nobody realizes until like five days later when they go back on the 19th that Hayes actually still missing. Nobody has any idea. They all figure she's got a new boyfriend. She's been fighting with her mom. She's been spending the nights with him. She's probably there when, the night they called. He had no idea, along with her friends, had no Nobody was worried. Nobody thought about it because Hayes is a very independent girl. She had a job. She had her own car. Uh, nobody was thinking, oh, my God, Hayes, nobody knows where Hay is, because they didn't hear from the family either. It wasn't until the following week when they went back to school that they were like, where's Hay? Is she still like nobody knows? And that's when they realized it had been five days, and that's when they started getting worried. Um, so, you know, but Hay had a current boyfriend who was supposed to see her that night, who she had spent the evening with the night before and apparently had been on the phone until 3 a.m. And he's, he, doesn't, he finds out the police is looking for her. He doesn't even contact the police. He doesn't even call them back. Do you believe he did um, it? I believe his actions are incredibly suspicious, but I don't necessarily think. I think people. I think completely innocent people can do things that look really stupid and suspicious. I mean, at so, the at the end at the end of the book, there's a conclusion. Here is what I think happened. I'm not giving it away all for free. I want people to uh, to to read it and draw their own conclusion. But as I read what you wrote, I said to myself that Rabia believes that it was the then boyfriend who did it, and Rabia doesn't want to say it because she doesn't want to incur the legal risk. Of going that far, but that's how I interpreted it. Am I mistaken? Well, there, there really is no legal risk in me saying that my theory is that X, Y, that this person did it. That there's no legal risk in it. I, but my thing is that I, I I'm not. Uh, well, then who did it? Word games. I'm saying no, no. But see, that's not how it works. It's not my job to say who did it. It's not Adnan's job. It is the well, but, but, but if I, but if it's I had, job, well, but, but, hold on, Michael. It's their job. They have existing DNA evidence. Test it. It's their job to reopen the investigation and do their but, job. But Rabia, right. Rabia, nothing, nothing would go further toward the exoneration of your good friend who sits behind bars today for a for murder that say, you think. Let me, me finish. So let me let me finish. Nothing would go further toward the exoneration of your good friend than being able to assemble a case that shows that he didn't do it. X, Y, or Z did it. You know, you say that. I feel like you have no. <laughs> You have very little experience with wrongful convictions. That's not how it works. In 90% of cases, the people who are wrongfully convicted cannot defend themselves. They cannot prove where they were. They don't know what happened. They've been gobsmacked, and that's the problem. Otherwise, people would not be wrongfully convicted if they could always prove who else did it. That's the state's job. The state holds the evidence. They also hold the power. I don't have the power as a private citizen to go and say, hand over that DNA evidence to me and subpoena you know, Don's records and do I don't have the power to do that. The state does. And okay, I, 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 I disagree yeah. with you. I, I think that you've written a 400 you've written a 400 page book. And yeah, how do I do that? How do I investigate what happened? What Don did on January 13th, 99 as a private citizen? How am I supposed to do that without the power of subpoena? Let I me have that power let, before we run out of time. Can we talk about Asia McLean? Sure. So Asia McLean is the quote unquote alibi witness. Asia McLean seemingly has said, according to the different individuals that you reference in the book, has said different things over a differing time period. Here's something that troubles me about about your friend Adnan Syed. He is not buying into, it seems to me, her alibi or the alibi that perhaps she wishes to provide him. In other words, when he's interviewed by police and there's a particular uh, statement in the book where he recreates in his own handwriting where he was on the day in question, she's not a part of it. 
And what I started that, to say, that wasn't given to, I'm sorry, go ahead. What, what I started to say before is it seems to me that if an on again, off again girlfriend of mine disappeared on a particular day and I realized there was a storm that weekend and that maybe he didn't know in real time when she went missing. But nevertheless, I think commonsensically, one of the things that I would do is immediately replay the events of that day and where I was. And if I'd been at the library with someone who could put me in the library, I would sure as hell have that top of mind and tell that to the police when they questioned me. And that's not what he did. Well, here's the thing. The po- he, you, 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 I think you're completely misunderstanding what was happening. Adnan had no idea he was a suspect or being investigated. He had no idea that there was ever even a shred of anybody thinking he had anything to do with it. That was the furthest thing from his mind. Every time he talked to the police, he, he thought he was going to try to provide them whatever information could help them find hay, that there is nothing beyond that. If you're talking, he had a six-hour interrogation with the police. There are no notes of that investigation. They did not record the investigation. They interrogated a juvenile without his parents. His attorneys are standing outside saying, stop the interrogation. His attorneys are here. They wouldn't do it. Tell me what those six hours of notes are. The note you're referencing is something he told, he, months later, he told his attorney. And he said to the attorney, and it's in the book, if you read it, I, you said you read it, where he says to the attorney, listen, what about Asia McLean? I don't know. And in the attorney notes. A couple of times in the file, it comes up, Asia McLean, he was with. So it's obvious that he brought it up. And when he was convicted and I went and got the affidavit from Asia McLean, he then wrote Gutierrez a letter and said, I'm again asking you to reopen this and include Asia McLean. What happened was when he was arrested six weeks after Hayman was killed, he was like, it was an, a, a school day. And every, school, every day after school, I just went to track practice. And it was Ramadan that I went to the mosque. So for that half an hour of time, he's like, I just... I was just, a, I usually just wasted time at school until it was time for track practice. When he got Asia's letters, he's like, oh my God, yeah, I remember having that conversation. He sent the letters to his attorney. His attorney came back and said, you're wrong because she has her dates wrong. And all of a sudden, what his certainty was gone. And he was like, crap, I thought that was the right day. And he just was confused. We're talking about a time when nobody has, you know, where nobody's tweeting and nobody has smartphones and he doesn't have a calendar. He's, it's just any other day. It's like somebody saying, what did you do for half an hour? after lunch, like six weeks ago, you know, and you're thinking, I'm, 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 sim- I'm making, I'm making uh, what I think to be a, a pretty reasonable conclusion, which is to say that if I were accused of committing a murder on a particular day, and if on that particular well, he day, he and, and, if, and if, and he if, and if on that particular day, I were in the company of someone who could exonerate me, I'd remember Michael, having been why with are you them. Ignoring the fact that he raised it. What, how, what do you make I'm, of this? His I'm, I'm looking. Asia I'm McLean, looking. Okay. I mean, look. What do you? Why do you think those notes are in there? He. I mean, it says saw saw Asia McLean in library with boyfriend. It says it in his attorney notes. Yeah, He's I'm looking. I did. Says. Okay, I did read the book. I'm on page 120 of the book. I'm looking at a handwritten account that he provided of his recollection of the school day, and I'm looking at your words as the author, which say. There is a marked difference in these notes from the ones in July. There is no mention of Asia. By this right, time, having given time... Gutierrez Asia's letters and repeatedly asking her to speak with her, Adnan had given up on Asia. I'd never give up on an alibi witness if I were serving time attorney, for a murder you, I didn't commit. you trust your attorney, who is like one of the most prominent attorneys in Baltimore, and she's saying to you, I checked out the alibi. I checked it out, and it didn't check out. All of a sudden, he's like, I got nothing. I don't know what to say. I don't know where I was. And that's why Deirdre, um, Deirdre Enright in Serial says innocent clients are the ones who are the least helpful. They don't even know, like, where to start, what to say. If they 
if they could be helpful, they wouldn't get convicted. I, I guess my, they, my critique of the book is, is simply this, that you treat every question raised about his guilt as if it's preposterous, even respectfully, even in your tone, even in your tone, even in your tone with me. Where the book loses credibility is that you you are you're the omnipotent one relative to the truth that people can look at something as like a Rorschach test. And you and your view is to say, well, of course, I know because I'm the one who knows him. It doesn't matter that I know him. I had to learn about what happened in the case through other people's investigation. For me, it was enough that I knew him. But for other people, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for Susan Simpson, Colin Miller, Deirdre Enright. Uh, right now, the National Innocence Project, Barry Sheck. We have Hogan and Lovells. We have every lawyer who's ever like been on this case, from his bail attorneys to this day, talk to them. Doug uh, Colbert, Chris Ford, they're like, absolutely, he was innocent. He was railroaded yesterday at the book launch. Doug Colbert was there, who represented him in 1999, and said, this is one of the grossest miscarriages of justice I've seen in my career. So it's not just me. And uh, I do think these things are preposterous. And if you understood, like, what really, I feel like, I, I don't know what to say. I feel like you are not understanding the fact that you have a 17-year-old kid who was like, I, I, I was with this girl and his lawyer saying, no, you have the dates wrong. Like, what is he supposed to do? It's not that, I mean, it's just not that simple. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm paying close attention. I listened to the podcast. I read your book. I, I just can't come to terms with everything that you're, that you're offering. And the inconsistencies that you I see that I'll are in... I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, Michael. I'm going to tell you to, to be patient because we're not done. The investigation's not over. And next year, you're going to see an entire series done much further on the investigation. Okay. And maybe then you'll be convinced. I, I, look, we're not going to... The only... We're not going to be able to resolve... Rabia, we're not going to be able to resolve anything other than you are a really good friend. How's that? You are a really good friend no, to this guy, and I, I and don't I want to be a good friend, and I, I hope, friend, and I don't want it to be that not a good guy. And I, I don't, and I hope, no, and I hope that he deser- is deserving. I don't know. I don't know what went on here. I just know that I, by nature I'm a cynic, and I have a lot of questions. Not the least of which is is the the inherent, I think, contradiction of of appealing and saying, well, we we want the alibi witness brought in. And at the same time saying that you don't you You don't even let me you don't even let me finish. You don't even let me finish because you have such a certainty that you're right. My God, I'm a guy who took the time to read your book and is seeking to engage you on it. Let me just finish my thought. I see a contradiction in asserting to an appellate court, we, we want Asia McLean to be able to be brought in and testify, and at the same time saying, and Gutierrez also let him down because she didn't let him plea. I mean, on one hand, you're saying he wanted to plead to a lesser offense. And on the other hand, you're saying, oh, and if only the alibi witness had been able to come in and show that he hadn't committed the murder. I don't think you understand how these things work. If you talk to people who have practiced criminal defense, I mean, just yesterday, the New York Times printed an article that showed that 97 percent of federal um, crimes are pled out, that that there are judges who sit for a decade and they only see one or two trials. Because there is such overwhelming power and force from the prosecutor that people are screwed. And when Adnan realized he didn't have Asia because his attorney saying there's nothing there, and he was being told by other inmates, you need to just look for a plea because you're in trouble because the state must have something. They must have a witness. He had no idea how to defend himself. And that's all it was. He was. I'm offended by you saying repeatedly that I don't understand. I'm an attorney. Like Many who will no, interview you attorney, are not going honest, to be attorneys. I understand. Hey, I am how, an attorney, and how, I didn't understand this. How was, Adnan, how was Adnan able to listen to the program? I'm curious. I'm happy to have him listening. I'm just curious as to how... Pardon me? He cannot listen to this, he cannot listen to the, the, this program. He, I think um, he has 
uh, I, I don't believe he can listen to the radio program, but he he does have access to TV. You you tweeted that you were that he was disappointed to hear that I hadn't been accepting of his story. I was curious as to where that came from. Oh, uh, we were actually just uh, we were talking about how surreal it is for him to get news about his case from the media, and then it kind of turned into a conversation about oh, it's really interesting. To, to, you know, these are you and others are people he grew up with, journalists that he grew up even in prison, uh, watching. So he's like, it's really kind of interesting to to listen to to follow journalists and like them and and listen to them and turn to them for like you know what what the news, um, and then ha- listen to them talk about you and your case. And then he brought up he brought you up, and he's like, you know, do you know this guy? He's like, oh, I've loved him for years. And then I heard him talk about my case, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna have to break up with him. And he was just kind of laughing about it and. I thought it was funny because I hadn't heard him talk about that before, and I, so that's why I tweeted it. Final question for Rabia Chaudhry, and thanks for being gracious with your time. What's the current posture of the case? Uh, he has been granted a new trial. Uh, his conviction has been vacated, but the state is, has filed an appeal, and so we have to wait and see if that appeal is upheld or not. Um, but if it's not, then we should be ready to go for a new trial. In the, uh, in the, the next trial, unlike the first two, one was abbreviated, do you expect that he'll take the stand in his own defense? I think he can if he wants to. It depends on what his attorneys advise him. In a lot of cases, attorneys don't advise it. Um, but I do very much look forward to calling all kinds of other people to the stand, including... Right. Jay I was just kind of surprised in the book. I, I, I wish there had been more discussion. I don't remember that there was any discussion about that decision and whether he would change it in the next go-round. Yeah, no, he... Look, uh, he, when he was arrested, it was like the first time our community had ever encountered the criminal justice system uh and him and his family and all of us were like you should take the stand you should take the stand and uh, gutierrez was like that's not how it works uh we i don't let my clients take the stand on top of which the state has to prove their case and so we just everybody said okay i mean you're that's it's your you're the expert you're the lawyer uh and that's all it was and so he even when he wanted to he was told not to and as a 17 year old he's gonna all of us we all listen to the lawyer Rabia, thanks so much for being here. The book is titled Adnan's Story. It has just come out just yesterday, and I wish you good things. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, TC, as you well know, Kevin Urich was the prosecutor in this case, a guest on my program. I will make available the totality of the interview. There's just one aspect, I think, for parody. I want the audience to hear and to hear right now. My recollection is that I said to him something like, was there anything unique about this case? Was there anything that stood out? Or was it just like many other cases that you prosecuted? Here's that one exchange that we had. Was the case of Adnan Syed one of your more memorable cases, or would you describe it as being fairly routine? The case itself was very routine. It's memorable because the defense attorney was so hard-nosed and so aggressive. Her name, Gutierrez, she's no longer with us, and that becomes a major part of the serial plot line. Let me get to that subject right now. Was she at the top of her game from your perspective when you were litigating this case against her? Definitely. She was probably the most feared defense attorney in Baltimore City from the mid-90s to the late 90s. Because by, the end of, because by the end of the serial 12 episodes, a, a listener could easily come away with the impression that Gutierrez, your opponent was impaired and that that wounded the defense of this case. She was at the top of her game during that period. She was 
taking all the high-profile cases. She was paid top dollar. She only took the really... She had her pick and... She could pick and choose which cases she took at that time. The difficulty she ran into in the Syed case is that she had no true defense that she could put on. It was impossible, based on the evidence, for a, an alibi to be presented because everything that they tried to do in terms of alibi, our evidence destroyed it. So she was reduced to trying to discredit the witnesses, uh, and she spent three weeks trying to do that. That's Kevin Urich. He is the prosecutor of Adnan Syed. Wish we had more time. Holy smokes. I just looked at the clock, uh, and yet I could have gone on with, uh, with Rabia for much longer than that. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.